Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by president and co-founder of Illuminous, Wendy Weinberger, to discuss organization and anti-procrastination. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Fabulous. We're excited for you to be here. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's hop right into getting to know you. Tell us about who you are, what you do. Hi, I'm Wendy Weinberger, the president and co-founder, as you said, of Illuminos Academic Coaching and Tutoring. And we provide executive functioning coaching to kids in third grade through college, both in person around the uh, DMV area, as well as virtually all over the country. Awesome. So if people were looking to find you guys like online, where would they go? Absolutely. Um, you can find us at um, www.illuminos, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-O-S.co. I did not forget the M. It is .co. <laughs> uh, so it's illuminos.co and you can learn all about us there. You can also um, sign up for a free 45 minutes to an hour consultation call with us. We do that with every family who's interested in working with us. There's a form that you complete and then you pick a time right on our calendar um, to have a call with either myself or my co-founder, Evan Weinberger. Perfect. That's awesome. Alrighty. Well, I'll put the website in the show notes and it's .co, not C-O-M. There's no Correct. M. <laughs> Correct. And people can find you guys online that way. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready to ask you a million questions. Sure. Let's go. Awesome. Okay. So we're talking about ADHD and executive function, all of those things. So why is it that so many kids with ADHD struggle with school, even though they're very smart, very capable kids? Sure. We see this all the time. Um, there are so many kids diagnosed with ADHD and a component of ADHD is um, self-regulation. And part of self-regulation is being able to manage yourself through processes and getting stuff done in school. Because really, school is not just about learning. It's about mastering the ability to complete tasks one after the other in a timely way, which requires executive functioning skills. Um, so we commonly get calls from parents that reach out and say, my kid is really smart. They've been doing great. And all of a sudden, wait, they're in sixth grade or they're in seventh or they're in ninth. And all of a sudden their grades have tanked. They're not interested. They're, they're struggling and we don't understand what's going on. And in so many ways, uh, some smart kids can just compensate and compensate and figure out how to get by without those skills because they're smart. They don't have to study. They may not have to write things down. Their memory might work well enough up to a point. But when you get up into, um, you know, eight plus teachers all having different demands on you with all the same priority and you have to hold that all in your head, it becomes very challenging. So there are a number of students um, who are diagnosed who do need um, executive functioning help so that they can get through school. And it's not necessarily that they need subject matter help. It's about how do they manage learning the information, taking everything they need to know and um putting it into their brain and then regurgitating it when asked to do so. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's really why we see that. And, you know, ADHD is uh, a, a clinical diagnosis, but it is, um, and it can be scary, but I always tell parents um, it's something that is completely treatable and you can learn the skills um, to get by it. And also, you know, a lot of people with ADHD have, have different ways of approaching problems. And some of the most creative people that that are out there really, you know, have, have had diagnoses or have diagnoses of ADHD. And so it's not the worst thing that ever happened. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the diagnosis, hearing it, and then digesting it and looking at all the resources typically given, you know, from a neuropsych or psychoeducational report and having a, 
a way to attack it and figure out what's the best things that can help your individual child um, and get those things in place. Yeah. So executive function you mentioned with ADHD. So are they the same thing? Are they different? Sure. Um, ADHD is obviously the um, diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that can present in different ways. Um, It can present as uh, inattentive, it can present as hyperactivity, or it can be in combined diagnosis where there are components of both. Um, Executive functioning skills, which are the skills that allow us to figure out exactly how we're going to go about solving any kind of problem. So let me explain in a different way for parents. Um, Think of an airport and think of an airport control center and what goes on up in that control center to allow the planes to all take off land, go about the tarmac, pull into gates, pull back, and not all crash into each other. Right. That takes a lot of coordination, right? And so your brain is similar. You think about all the things that you do without thinking about it, and you think about all the do- things you do that you have to think about, and managing to keep everything straight that you have to think about, and organizing it, and doing it in a timely manner and not getting overwhelmed and all of the different things that can come when, as a result of not being able to properly manage um, the brain, just like an airport control center, the planes crash. And that's the same thing that can basically happen in kids' brains is that everything sort of crashes. Some kids freeze, some kids um, rebel, you know, some kids just break down, but basically the lack of ability to control all of those things and manage what's going on can cause a lot of different problems. Um, And it shows up in multiple diagnoses. It's not just um, in ADHD, you know, right. there's lots of other diagnoses that EF, um, as we refer to it, is uh, a component of. But it's really important to understand that it has to do with self-regulation skills. And it's a complex set of processes that occur. And those processes require planning, flexible thinking, um, regulating your own behavior, right. um, you know, really taking charge of yourself. And so without that, you see the breakdown, sometimes behavioral problems, sometimes outbursts. And again, sometimes it shows up in, in other ways. So that's the difference. Um, one is a component of an, the other. Um, and one is a diagnosis and one is simply um, a dysfunction sometimes, the executive skill dysfunction that can happen um, for students. Right. So the executive function, what other things would you start to notice that could signal that there's like a struggle with executive functioning? Sure. So let's talk about students since that's our audience for parents. Um, You know, in school, you're talking about seeing things like kids forgetting things a lot. They they forget things at school to bring home. They forget things at home to bring to school. They don't write things down that they need to bring home. They don't write down things so that when they sit in front of their computer and go to do homework, they have no idea what they're actually supposed to do. They forget papers and information that support them being able to do that homework. They'll forget lunch. They'll forget their jackets. Um, they won't study, you won't see them studying, um, or you'll see them studying and being very frustrated for time that they put in. And then the results are a C or a D on, on exams. They're not right. studying the right things or studying properly. Um, and it can also be things like going to a friend's house and leaving their coat or going to their friend's house and meaning to go carry something over with them and forgetting to bring it. Um, you know, a lot of kids that have this challenge, you will see not struggling in just one subject matter in school, for example, you'll see them struggling across the board in multiple subject matters because it's not the subjects that's really tripping them up. It's the process of getting through those subjects. And, um, you know, how do you go in a classroom and where do you sit down and how do you focus and how do you listen and how do you take the information from the classroom and get it into a form that you can then look at when you're not in the classroom listening to it. Um, 
you know, how do you use all of those tools to actually work to get you in the place where you can study and provide feedback, participate in a classroom discussion, write something down on a test, um, et cetera. And so it's the inability to really, um, you're seeing the inability of information to really go in and be used later. um, And forgetting things is a great sign. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, definitely. The forgetting things, I feel like a a lot of parents can kind of like see that very, very easily and um, like note note how many things like a kid is forgetting or like, you know, see if it's a pattern and start to realize like, Hey, that might be an executive dysfunction kind of thing that's going on. Um, so once they start to notice that, what tips do you give them to help them become like more organized or not forget things or anything of that nature in their school life? Or even in, like you said, like they go to their friend's house, they forget their jacket, all that kind of stuff. Right. So it really depends on the age of the child. So if we're talking about, um, a younger child, and there's either been a diagnosis, or you're just noticing that the child is forgetting things, you're having to repeat things a lot to remind them to do things. Um, When you're listening to those things and what you're repeating, start to realize that that information is not going in. So you want to provide your child with help with that. So maybe it's getting up in the morning, brushing their teeth, eating breakfast, getting dressed properly, grabbing a jacket, grabbing a backpack, probably with a Chromebook in it or something electronic that had to have been charged. Let's make checklists. And let's not make them too long. Because it will, kids can get overwhelmed with a checklist. Right. Um, also make them colorful and interesting because once someone sees a checklist, they're going to look at it probably five times and then they're not going to see it anymore. So you yeah. may have to take up that checklist. But let's start with the bathroom routine. So in the morning, your child gets up. Um, it's a younger child, probably elementary school, maybe even um, you know kindergarten, kindergarten up through elementary school. Have a checklist that is on their wall, that is on their bathroom mirror with the things while they're in the bathroom. What are they supposed to do? You know, it can be as specific as don't forget the toothpaste on your toothbrush to brush your teeth, you know, wash your face, uh, make sure you put your stuff away, then go in your room. And then in the room next to the, wherever they get dressed, okay, here are the things that you need to do. Hopefully they're, as they get older, they're teaching them to pick things out at night or putting clothes out for them at night. So that it's pretty easy in the morning, but again, a checklist of what to go through. And then as they come downstairs in the morning, um, Having something set up, if you're really finding that they're not remembering things once they leave their bedroom, put another checklist in place. And what this does is it creates um, the ability for the child to remember these things and build habits, which which ultimately will become routines. And the reason we want those is because routines build new neuropathways in the brain, which can build automaticity. And automaticity Mm. is so important for kids and adults um, because then it frees up that white what I call the whiteboard in the brain, the um, of short-term memory. Basically, you know, how much working memory does a child have right. to remember things? And I like to explain it to parents as working memory is like a whiteboard. And it's only a certain size and you can only fit so much on it before it erases. Right. And so for, you know, for kids who have these challenges, they they're having to think about everything. They don't have those automatic things already occurring. So everything's going on that whiteboard, which is why they don't retain as much information in short amounts of time. Yeah. So if you can give them the ability to have a checklist to refer to, and then they do that over and over and over again, and it becomes a habit and ultimately it becomes um, a routine, then it starts to get into that automaticity place where they're not having to think about it anymore. They just do it rote, just like you get up in the morning and Maybe you go to the bathroom, make yourself a coffee. You don't really right. think about it. You could do it half asleep. You just do it. Um, parents can also think about this. Like when you're getting in the car and you're supposed to be going somewhere and all of a sudden you realize you're driving yourself to work, that's automaticity, right? right? You just do it every day. And so when your brain's not thinking about it, it goes into autopilot. 
we want these kids to have autopilot for getting up, getting out in the morning, eating their breakfast. Um, same thing at night. We want them to have backpacks by the door with things in them ready to go for the next day, whatever those may be. If it's a show and tell day for elementary school, have those things in there. You know, if it's a charging of a Chromebook, make sure it's in there with a plug. And all I have to do in the morning is unplug it, zip their backpack and walk out the door. So that's really good ways to help. As we get into middle school and high school, um, you know, the kids are becoming more independent and should be becoming more independent. But it's really the similar types of things in a different format. Checklists really work, um, brief checklists, um, getting things ready the night before, having a routine when they come home from school. As kids get older, you know, they are going to be responsible starting typically in third or fourth grade for having some homework. And as they matriculate up through high school and into college, it obviously gets to be more and more. And so Mm -hmm. a good routine of knowing when they come home of exactly what to do, not getting in front of a television, not getting in front of a screen that's doing gaming, you know, have them come home, have a good, healthy snack. We want them to eat very healthy. Um, less sugar, that means less up and downs. Um, right. It also means less fighting because when you have a child who is has been eating, their blood sugar is even and they're going to have more ability to actually regulate themselves. Yeah. And so have them do something that relaxes their brain if they have you know just gone from school to come home and it's maybe a 15 minute or 30 minute in between. Give them another, depending on their age, half an hour or so to do something, but not something that they're addicted to or that they're that's going to stimulate them to the point that it elevates the dopamine in their brain and they're not going to want to sit and then focus. Right. So a snack, um, you know, maybe um, washing hands, uh, talking to a friend on the phone, but not really that real screen time um, right. can be helpful. And then have a time when they're supposed to put all of that away and go to their study space, um, depending on the study space will look different based on the age. But really having a study space where what they do in that space is study. They aren't on the phone texting. They aren't on their computer doing iMessage. They aren't gaming. But it's really there for them to do studying. And when they go to that place, they leave all those other things behind. Um, And again, having those routines, using timers to help them and times on checklists to let them know when they need to go and do those things is really, really helpful. Um, So does that help answer? It's a very long-winded question. No uh, answer to one of your questions. No, that's great. And the other thing that I'm curious about is like, if your kid is doing something like in their kid life and they are going, I don't know, like they go to a friend's house, like, do they have a checklist before they leave or when they're about to come home? Like, what do they do to not like forget things at a kid's house or stuff like that? So, you know, that's where a parent can really provide that support and they can either talk to them, depending on the age of the child, send them a text to remind them, please make sure before I pick you up or before you leave that you have the following things with you. Right. Um, they can also um, make their own list and have it with them. You know, the the one thing for school, for elementary kids that I encourage is a little luggage tag that you make and laminate it with a checklist of everything your child's supposed to remember before they come home. Um, and it can even be one that they can use a whiteboard pen on to check it off before they leave school. Um, that really works because it's right there. They're going to see it. They're going to grab their backpack. Do you have your code? Do you have your notebook? Do you have your planner? Do you have, you know, those different things? So I, I like that. Um, for friends' houses, I think that it's really important for parents to, to remind them, okay, what are you packing up? Okay. What do you need to bring home? You have them repeat those things, have them realize that that's going on and then give them those reminders before they come home or when you pick them up. Do you have all your things? Do you have your chargers? Do you have a sleepover? Did you get your pillow? You know, let's, let's talk about all those things that get left behind and, and hopefully over time, the kids start to remember those things. Also mirroring things for your own kids in the way that you manage yourself is a really great way to indirectly teach your kids things. If they see that you need certain tools to remember things, 
and you make checklists or you take pictures of things and you reference those pictures, you know, all the kinds of things that you do in your own life to use your executive functioning skills and to remind you of things will help them and hopefully they'll pick up on it. You know, it's it's funny for the old, for us older folks who didn't grow up with these phones with cameras and everything. It's not always the first thing that we go to right. when we think of remembering something. You know, someone will say, oh, you know, oh, I got to write that down. No, you don't. Take a picture of it. Right. And it's right there. And kids are great at that because they're they come out with these phones now, right? Exactly. Like they, they're just with them. <laughs> um, they're device of choice. And so they can use the phone in so many ways, whether it's checklists, whether it's reminders, um, you know, talking to Siri or talking to Google or talking to Alexa, you know, right. having those tools that remind them is also a good way of setting reminders. Okay, I'm, I'm going to a friend's house. Just don't forget this in 30 minutes when you come home. Like those kinds of things are also available to them. Um, so, you know, th- those those are things that would be good to integrate from a parent perspective, from having a parent do it in front of a child, having a child um, practice that, like, let's practice this tool where, you know, you tend to forget things, Joey, let's, let's go over what you're bringing here, talking to your computer, the list of things that you're bringing, and then check that list off before you come home. Yeah, that's genius. And I love the luggage tag on the backpack idea. That's one of my favorites. I think um, we had someone on the podcast that had mentioned it before, and it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a great tool. And you, depending on how creative you are, if you use some kind of graphic designer at home, you can do it and get the, just the luggage tag laminators and laminate it, or you can go on Etsy and find someone to make it for you too. Um, You know, I, I would change it every year for my kids. I suggest changing the color, change it. And the other thing is, is backpacks get lost. So put your name and phone number on the back of that luggage tag. Yeah. Um, also simple things that, you know, I think most parents think about, but put, put your name and contact information in everything. Yeah. Or get labels and iron them in the ones that actually stick those kinds of things. Right. Cause that absolutely helps, you know, for teenagers, um, we really want them to, to have the responsibility of remembering things and right. having those processes, which they follow. So, you know, letting them fall down once in a while is okay too. I mean, yeah. I, I talk to parents all the time about like, my child is only getting through this because I'm really going into their portal and I'm writing everything down or I'm telling them what they have to do and I'm going back and I'm checking and make sure what they haven't handed in and reminding them, well, okay, what happens when your child's ready to go to college? Are you going right. to college with them? Right. It's not going to work. No. Kids need to have learned independence. And if you start with a young age, a young age of giving them choices, right? If they make a choice, they're going to remember better than if it's something that you just dictate. Right. Let them make a choice. Help them think through what do they have to do in order to accomplish the goal that they made in that choice. Right. Don't do it for them lead them, be their scaffolding. Just, this is a great way that I think about scaffolding for parents that are just learning that their kids need this. Right. Think about your child when they were, when they were, you know, anywhere between nine and 15 months old and starting to walk. How did you walk around them as they were starting to walk? Because you didn't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to fall and get hurt. You don't want them running at anything. You didn't right. want to discourage them and have something bad happen. So you walked around their, your child kind of in a shadow with your arms out, ready to right. catch them at any time but allowing them to explore. Right. That's scaffolding. Yeah. That's not doing it for them. That's helping them master a skill they need to be independent and capable of doing. Yeah. That's what parents need to do for their kids as they age appropriately backing off that scaffolding, making be further away with it, let them fall a little more, teach them how to fall. Right. Teach them that it's okay that if they fail at something, what's what are we learning from this? That's okay. Right. The grade, for example, is not the goal. Right. The, the mastery of the subject matter, mastery of the processes that it takes you to complete a subject 
complete goals is what you're trying to master. Yeah. So, you know, as you start to have your child getting grades and grades become such a big component of our life, especially <sighs> for those in this area that think about going to college. Yeah. Um, don't make it about a grade because a grade is a thing and it's a quality. It's like a quality that comes out of something quantitative versus right. the quality of what you're doing in order to achieve it. So, right. you know, use that growth mindset where you want your child to realize that you're not set to fail or succeed. You're set to grow and learn. Yeah. And so if you fail, it's okay. If it's, if you, if you fall down, it's okay. When you're little, right. When you help them up, you show them, they can lean on things. You give them right. those tools. It's the same thing as they start to go through school. Help them see the tools they can use. Don't do things for them. Yeah. Show them how to reach out to a teacher if they don't, if they forgot something at school and don't remember what the assignment is. Show them how to reach out to a friend in the class that may have written it down. Don't do it for them. Right. You know, all of those little things that a parent can do to help their child see how to solve the problem and allow them to solve will simply grow their ability to solve the problems, the toolbox in which they will reach to. Right. And use those tools as they get older and older will be bigger and they won't have as much challenge when they get older. Now, that's not to say that kids don't show up in ninth grade or eighth grade and just like all of a sudden, like, I have no idea how to solve a problem. And I need to solve a problem like I have a major task. How do I study for it? Or right. I'm in a subject that's really hard. How do I what, what do I do? I've never had to take notes before. I've never had to study. Like, how do I do those things? You know, sometimes that's where you need especially as teenagers get older and their DNA changes to say, push mom and dad away because their DNA is telling them that they're supposed right. to be more independent, Right. that you need someone independent to come in, a coach, um, if they need an actual subject matter tutor, a tutor, but you want to make sure that they're really being coached and taught how to approach the problem, right. not just how to solve the problem. Like don't just, for math is a great example. Don't just teach a child how to do a math problem. They need to learn the new way of math, and I'm saying the new way because it wasn't taught like this when I was younger, <laughs> is to really speak the math language and understand why math works so that you can formulate your own problems and solutions that aren't the same all the time. Right. It's the same thing here. A child going through school needs to be able to figure out, irrespective of the subject matter, what works for them? How do they learn? Right. And what are those tools that they need to learn? You know, I think one of the biggest things that I find important. Um, is parents say, my kid doesn't know how to study. Mm. Or I don't understand. I know how to do this when I was younger. Why don't they? Maybe they're lazy. Kids aren't lazy. There's more being asked of them in school today for them to learn, manage, process, turn in, um, manage social skills, um, right. EQ skills. You know, where where are they really with their, their emotional um, skills versus their academic and in intellectual skills? There's so much more as a teenager you're being asked to manage and no one's stopping in school to say, oh, wait, we never taught these kids in elementary and middle school how to study right. or what it even means to study. Like, what right. is that awful word? And it's not just laying on your book at home, hoping <laughs> that the information goes in or watching a YouTube video and expecting right. it to just go in. Kids need to understand how they learn themselves. And so teaching kids how to create a study plan, how to actually study by finding different ways to interact with information. Mm. Over a period of time, not just the night before, because we need things to go from working memory to short-term memory to long-term memory. The ways right. that that all happens, a coach, a therapist that's trained in, you know, a, um, a therapist that's trained in some kind of executive functioning coaching, coaching or the process in which things are done, or, or a um, developmental pediatrician. You know, there's a lot of different people out there that you don't realize they really have these skills in different right. areas to help children 
learn how to do things. And, you know, if you're a parent of a teenager and you didn't grow up with all of these uniquely skilled people that now seem to be imperative for your child to be successful, (laughs) they exist. They exist and they want to help. And so looking for those people to be able to do it where it's not you, because it doesn't matter how successful you are. You can be the president of the United States. And sorry, you're there because of luck. You have nothing to teach me. I know it all myself and I'm not going to listen to you. So back off now. There are people that can step in and will have a lot better result in a lot faster time than you as a parent trying to do these things yourself simply because of the way children are built. And as they get older, they're supposed to be going out and hunting and gathering on their own. Therefore, they have to be independent on their own. And so they're going to want to push parents away. And that can start, you know, puberty seems to be hitting early and earlier these days. Yeah. That's great. It's crazy. But, you know, that that's when those hormones start to kick in that they can be independent. So some of that pushback is just because you're trying to do it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, with the older kids, it's, I don't know, like, I feel like parents think that there's like no hope at a certain point. They're like, oh, my no, kid, there's always like, hope. Right. So I think it's, it's awesome that you're, you know, like reminding people of all of these people. Uh, all these other folks Resources. that can help them, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, or like, you know, introducing them to the fact that there are people that there are coaches for executive functioning. Like <laughs> right. And when you're when you're looking at a kid who seems to be doing poorly in every subject, you're wondering what is going on with my kid. They always had straight A's. Right. You are probably nine times out of ten looking at an executive function challenge, whether they don't know how to stay organized or they don't know how to manage their time, mm-hmm. or they don't understand what the feeling of time passing feels like. There are so right. many kids today because they use their phones and they use devices that everything instant gratification. Right. You tell a kid, hey, dinner's in 10 minutes. Oh, if you don't remind them six times and tell them when that 10 minutes is up, you're not going to see them. No. So that's why the invention of visual timers that's have come in to show them as time goes by look, there's less and less time. And now you have to finish up at a certain time or, oh, you have to push yourself a little bit harder to get through that time because you only have X amount of time. You know, that's organization of time. So that's another organization skills, but prioritization. Kids don't know how to prioritize. Um, You know, mom wants me to do all these things, but I don't know what to do first because I also study. Or I have eight teachers that all want this due tomorrow. I I have no idea. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just not going to do any of it. Right. Like, how do you break things down into bite-sized chunks, prioritize them, do them in order that will drive you and motivate you to continue working. Even when you're burnt out one evening, right? How do you approach things? Yeah. Um, coaches can really help with that, but I want to give you some real tips. I, yeah. I really want parents to walk away some, from for, with some real tips. So I've given some for the younger kids, but for older kids, let's just talk about study planning for a minute. Yeah. Um, ask your child all the different ways that they are asked to learn information by their teachers. There's all these new things. There's quizlets, there's word puzzles, there's um, writing down definitions, there's um, reading and annotating. There's all these different tools that, that students are asked to do in the form of homework or in a classwork presentation that they don't realize is actually a teacher teaching them how to understand the information. It's not just busy work because they're then therefore interacting with the information. Right. Interacting with the information is what gets a student to learn it from bringing it in initially under quickly understanding it, then processing it, then putting it into that long-term memory where they can right. then use, take it apart, analyze it, um, use it to actually solve problems in the abstract, in mm-hmm. the abstract, because they have those tools to access. So when your child has coming up, any kind of quiz, assessment, anything, task, paper, ask them to pick out four different ways they're going to interact with that information to learn. Mm. They can rewrite their notes. 
they can take a Quizlet, they can, um, you know, go in and practice uh, problems from different uh, either worksheets or um, handouts that have been given or things that they've already done. Right. Um, there's all different ways to do things. Sometimes uh, watching a video, annotating what you learn from the video. You can't just watch a video. You have to interact with it in some way. Pick four ways. And for every class, it can be a different four ways. And your kids are going to know the best ways because they are the ones who are getting this information from the teachers thinking, oh, it's busy time and why do I have to do this? And then have them calendar. Put it. We call it plannering. Take out their planner. They know they don't want to use a planner. Um, We're going to fight them on that. But if your kids are past the point of fighting with them and they plan in some other way, a portal is not a planner. We can discuss that. Put it in their electronic calendars. Put it in a reminder. Put it on a sheet of paper. But write down that the test is on Thursday. Then on Monday, you're going to do it this way. On Tuesday, you're going to do it this way. On Wednesday, you're going to do it this way. Sorry, Thursday's a test. So Sunday, you're going to start. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And by, by Thursday... They're going to know the information right. well enough to answer whatever's asked of them, yeah. but they can't do it the night before. No. They have to interact with the information and they have to actually physically do something. They right. can't just, okay. And by the way, highlighting text is not doing something. <laughs> okay. It doesn't help unless they're highlighting and then annotating, right. writing what they've read. Right. Watching a video doesn't help unless they're actually doing something with the video. Right. Kids can prepare PowerPoints. Kids can even get on the phone and interact with another child. If your kid doesn't get distracted by that and talk about, okay, this is what I read. And this is what I thought. What did you read here? You know, when studying for to prepare for writing an essay, for example, in high school, and you had to read something and you're going to be asked to write an essay. Kids free. I can't study for that. I read it. I don't know how to say it. You can study. Go through, read your annotations that you took when you were writing. Talk about it with another student. See what they got out of that, the, the passage or the book or the chapter. You know, hear what other people are thinking and then draft the essay. Yeah. Draft an essay based on certain things you think that the teacher is focused on in school. Use that as one of your nights of learning. Right. Um, you know, but kids really need this. So parents can really help them if they're choosing to, to be the person helping them. Right. Starting in third grade, even. Wow. How are we going to interact with this? Right. You want to learn vocabulary words? You're going to learn spelling? Okay. I'm going to give you a notebook and this is going to be a composition book where everything's all, you can't rip the pages out. Right. And we're going to write the spelling. Every time we get spelling words, we're going to either print them or write them on this page. And then you're going to have 10 different choices of how to interact with them. You can define them. You can write them five times each. You can draw pictures that represent them. You can use them in a sentence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every time before a vocabulary test, you're going to do four different things on four different days. Now, for elementary school kids, three three days is probably sufficient. They just don't yeah. have that stamina. But when you get into middle school and high school, it's got to be the four. Yeah. This is teaching your child how to study. And you will be amazed after you fight with them and actually get it to do it, how amazed they are of yeah. what they've learned and what they do on a test. Yeah. And if they're not studying the right things and they don't do well on that test, you're going to teach them how to email that teacher and schedule time to meet with them. And you're right. going to have them copy you on it to make yes. sure that it's actually being sent. Right. Or you're going to have them go and meet during office hours and maybe the first few times check with the teacher to make sure that they showed up. <laughs> yeah. So like you want to give them the scaffolding, but not do it for them. That's, that's my repeated piece. Um, but give them ideas on how to approach things. When you say study to a kid, they're like, sure. Right. Okay. I'm going to go do something else now. You know, like oh, yeah. literally, like it's just people don't know how to study. People don't know how to interact with information. And that's really, really important for for parents to do. So I think that that's a really good tip. Also, you know, we're big fans of if kids interact with a lot of paper, which is sort of the younger years, building up binders, 
You do not want for older kids. I cannot repeat this enough. I don't care what a teacher tells you. You do not want one binder per subject. It is how kids lose all of their binder. Yeah. When kids get into middle school and high school, if they have um, a rotating schedule, an A, B day, whatever, break it down where as much as can go into one binder Mm. that can fit in a backpack as possible because there's less chance for them to lose and break it down by subject. And then by subject, break it down by what are the information pieces in there? Tests and quizzes, classwork assignments, a section to take notes. Mm. And then say it's in science and they need a lab report section or they need, um, you know, something else. You can add different tabs to make each subject matter. And if they're not using binders, you can create an e-binder. Oh, everyone, right? Okay. So they're teenagers like we don't use paper anymore. That's for you (laughs) old people, right? Okay, fine. Then I want you to go into your Google Classroom, go into your Google Drive, because no matter what's on the front end, Canvas or... um, Schoolology or any of these myriad of tools right. that you know that, that the schools use behind it is nine times out of ten is Google, right? Driving it. So go in to your Google Drive and create each subject matter mm-hmm. under. So you're going to say, let's just say ninth grade, two thousand twenty-three to twenty-four right. school year, and you're going to have under there a folder for each of your subjects in the fall, right? And you're going to color code. You can actually right-click and color code each of those folders and make those folder colors match any kind of folder or something that you're using in real form so that you associate blue with math or red with history. And keep those colors all through through high school, all through middle school and high school, so that you always know you start to have that visual cue. Again, that's the automaticity. Okay, I've got my red folder out. That means math. Um, Do that all the way through. But color code. Color is a great way to interact with information. Right. Um, if you're going to highlight, that's you need to use multiple colors and yeah. do it in a way that they have meaning. And then under each subject, break it down further with a different folder for each thing of kind of information. And one of them should be homework to turn in. Mm. And you should come up with a naming scheme that, remember, you're not the only kid. So if you just put the assignment name, the teacher's not going to know that that's your assignment. So it should start, start with something like, J Smith, right? You know, H I S short for history, and I, some people have sections, some people have periods, and then put something that identifies which period you're in, right? Your teacher's name and the assignment name, right. and that's how you share it or hand hand it in. So if a teacher loses it, which happens, yeah. if you don't know where it is, you can always go back to that folder and know exactly where it is, and either return it in, um, or print it out, or show your teacher, no, I did do it, and we'll have a date on it because it's electronic of when you did it. Exactly. Um, these are all tools that you can sit down very easily with your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, all the way up through, you know, basically 12th grader and teach right. them how to do to manage the organization. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful to just go and do. And on the time management piece, we could go into that for ages. I'm a huge, you know, proponent of a planner. Yeah. Um, a portal, as I said, is not a planner. A portal is where you find information, is not where you plan out the studying and the hidden steps that we call right. it of coming up with that plan to execute. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and for littler kids, get a planner and draw pictures for what they have to do. If they have to read a book, have them draw a picture of a book. If they That's have to um, do a project, draw what they see the project in their head. Like right. again, visual tools for kids that are challenged with EF um, dysfunction or EF, they're just learning EF. It's a right. great way to do it. And kids are very visual. Yeah. Adults are visual too, but like think about it in a visual way for a child that's just learning to read. They don't need right. to write out the word book. Right. Absolutely. Draw a little book. 
drawn a piece of paper with math problems on it. I mean, literally, it could just be little sketches. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that you should try to plan out things with a student and use a planner. If one's given by the school, great. If you need a great planner, um, there are planners out there for older kids with executive functioning challenges. We have created our own that we believe is really, really good. Um, you can get it from us. We will eventually sell on, on Amazon, but we have them made. And you're welcome to reach out to me at heywendy at illuminos.co um, and just say, hey, I'd really like to get one of your planners. They're 25 bucks. It's um, built for kids who have ADHD and or right. executive functioning challenges. That's awesome. Um, and I would I would suggest that. Get a time timer. Ooh. Get a visual time timer. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be time timer brand. It can be Pomodoro. It can be anything. Yeah. But go on Amazon and look for a visual timer. Okay. And what you want to do is have your student have that. Now you have them on electronics too, but I'm anti having the phone using it because their phone can then be there for other things. So exactly. I think you get an actual time timer. It is a old school, old looking clock <laughs> with a red filler. You can get it with different color fillers. Um, that you basically pick how much time there is and the red fills up all that. So if you have 45 minutes, you'll see red filling 45 minutes up and then right. it will slowly, as time goes away, the white gets bigger and the red gets smaller. And it shows kids that time is going away. And when they get near the end and they want to get up and go to the bathroom, they're like, you know what? I can do this for two more minutes and then I'm done. Right. So it also builds in that grit and that ability to persevere. It works on multiple things. Get a time timer. Have your kids start in elementary school. How long do you think this is going to take you? You think it's going to take you 15 minutes? Okay, let's set the timer for 15 minutes to see where right. you are. Okay, do we estimate right or wrong? Do you need less time, more time? Right. That will all get your kids starting off and even in high school, starting to figure out what the passage of time feels like, how long things take, yeah. how to estimate how long they're going to need to do things. Right. And it will also help them realize when they're staring at something for an hour and they're really not doing anything when they're spending four hours on their homework at night. Right, exactly. Because they're not really doing anything during all that time. Um, so time timer and set up a study space, set, it, set up a space where, where there is in your house mm-hmm. that is not in their bedroom, that is not off where someone can't see them. Right. But it is some noise. Right. So there's some oversight in the background, but right. that's quiet. That doesn't have a TV going. Right. Um, that a student can sit down, have all their pencils, their pens, their calculators, their scissors, um, their screen for school, whatever they need to complete school. So it's right. not the Oh crap, mom, I just sat down and I need a pencil. Oh crap, mom, now I need a magic marker. Right. Oh damn, I need a highlight for this. Like literally, like kids will use every excuse to not sit and focus. Oh, yeah. Take away the excuses and start with, I want you to just focus for the number of years you are. So there's a stu- there are studies out there that say that kids can focus. It used to be double this. I just want you to know that. But oh. as of devices coming out in the yeah. early to mid 2000s, it went down by half. The oh kids used gosh. to be able to focus for two minutes at a time for their years and age on one thing at a time. Okay. Now, thank you to the world of electronics <laughs> with instant gratification, it's one minute per age. So if you have 15 year olds and they're struggling to focus, I don't want you to ask them to sit down for more than 15 minutes at a time with a timer to right. focus on one thing at a time. Right. Once they can master the 15 minutes, then I want you to start adding. And you right. use that time timer to help them push. And you can add two minutes at a time, five minutes at a time. You'll know your child. You'll right. see where their resistance is. And in between those 15-minute time periods, I want them to have a five to 10-minute, initially, five to 10-minute brain break. That is where they can go to the bathroom. They can get water. They can quickly answer their texts with friends. Right. They can check an email. But then they put all that away again, and they sit down for another 15 minutes. Now, as your child gets older, those breaks really should only be five minutes. 
Yeah. Um, but when you're starting out teaching someone, they may need to to build up that perseverance, build up that resilience to wanting to jump up. Absolutely. The parents can do this at home with them. Hmm. You know, tell them why this timer is going to help them. Um, tell, teach them really how to focus on what they want to focus on. Right. And then when you do you make checklists? Oh, yeah. Okay. What do you do at the end when you finish something? You get to check all the things off. And, and what does that make you feel like? It feels fantastic. Right. Because you feel like you've accomplished something. Absolutely. So when they write stuff down on a piece of paper or preferably in a planner, I want you to cross it out when it's done. Yeah. And I want you to write it in the planner, another suggestion, in the broken down pieces that they're supposed to do it. So they have yeah. more to cross out. Yeah. It feels I'm supposed to read better. pages two to four. I read two to four and now it's just take annotate on two to four. Wait, I just did that. I can cross out annotate it. Oh, Give them that, that. You know what that does? It releases dopamine in the brain, which right. is a feel good to make them want to do it again right. and again and over and over. And so that really is like, those are great ways that parents can go home today and implement these plans. And the last thing I will tell you, and there's more tips. So you reach out anytime. I'm happy to give them. Yep. But the last thing that really helps, um, and I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. When you ask your child how school was or how was their day, mm-hmm. um, one, be very specific. Okay. How did history go? Was there something that happened that made you happy today? Was there something that you did brave today? Was there something that made you feel really good that you did for someone else? Was right. there a problem that you helped someone else solve today? I want you to ask questions like this. I don't want you to ask what grade you got on a oh, test. No. No. Okay. If there was a test, how do you feel like you did on it? Feel like you did okay? Did you feel confident? Did you feel not so confident when you talk? You know, how, how is that feeling? Okay, so let's just say the child said, "Mom, I'm really or Dad, I'm I'm really not sure. I'm not sure I studied the right thing." Mm. Okay, why don't you write down the things you think you might have missed or that you felt unsure about? Write them down, and then let's look at the test when it comes back and see if you were right or wrong, and then we can learn from that. Right? right. The grade doesn't matter; it's the no. learning experience, right. and. Putting all of these things together, learning from mistakes, adding more focus in a, in a useful, efficient, effective right. way, yeah. um, taking away distractions from when you have to focus, um, understanding what to do during that focus time, right. understanding a parent is not asking you about a result, but actually the process for which you're right. using to get a result, Yeah, that they're helping you with that process, Yeah, um, and encouraging uh, you know, your, your child to Try, try again. It's the old mm-hmm. adage. Try, try again. Because what makes us better and what we learn most from is failure. Yeah. So it's okay to let your kid fail because they'll learn from it. But it has to become a learning experience. It can't be, Johnny, you're grounded for six weeks because you just got three seats. Right. That's not a learning experience for a child. Absolutely not. <laughs> the punishment does not fit the crime. Yeah. And all it's going to do is build resentments so that the child's not going right. to listen to you. Um, so think about that when you react. Take a moment. Consider your own executive function skills, your <laughs> self-regulation. If you are a reactive parent, take it in and say, okay, thank you for sharing with me. Process it. Talk to a spouse about it. Talk to a friend about it. Calm down whatever yeah. your reaction is. Have real thought about how you can go back and help your child now. Yeah. Not about scolding them. It's not about you shouldn't have gotten a C. It's about what did you do that resulted in this? And it could be well, you stayed up on games until four o'clock in the morning and maybe right. that's not what we should have done. What could we do instead? Exactly. But if you're calm about it, your child will receive it. If you're, you shouldn't have stayed up all night last night on games and you should have been sleeping like I told you and I told you so, they're not going to hear any of it. 
And it's okay to have, you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to react instantaneously. Right. And just, you don't want your kids ever to be scared of you to come to you to talk to you about things because then you have been shut out and you can't help. So when it comes to school, even not making a goal when you're out on the soccer field or field hockey or lacrosse or football, don't go after them because they didn't do something. Okay. Well, well, tell me why you feel badly about this. What didn't you quite do the way you wanted to do? How can you improve? Maybe more workouts. Maybe more time with the coach, maybe more time with a teacher. Right. Um, you know, think about your work and the way you're successful in life. And, and think about how you can apply the processes that allow you to be successful to your children. Ooh, and that's translate good. that for them. Yeah. Because yeah, that's, you know, that's, you can really think about what makes you successful. Okay. I'll, you get up and out in the morning. Are you a person that runs late? I'm a person that runs late all the time. Right. So I always set a timer five minutes before I right. be ready for something. So I get out the door. Yeah. Um, you know, or I have my kids who tend to run late because their mom runs late. Their clocks are all set ahead yeah. for an unknown amount of time in their room. We use Alexa. We use um, our phone to do yeah. reminder Absolutely. Um, for everything from taking out the trash on the right night to remembering for bedtime. Yeah. Um, you know, so really remember the go back in your mind and think about all the things you do automatically to get a result mm. and break those tasks down. And think about those tasks. Even write those t- things down because you're going to find out a lot of hidden tasks in there. Oh, that yeah. You don't think about doing that you actually do that your child may not know to do. Right. So a great activity with any child is let's talk about bedtime routine or let's talk about the morning routine. Mm-hmm. I want the parent to go and sit down and really think about what they do. Everything they do. How do they yeah. wind down? How much time from the lights out to the falling asleep? What are the processes they take? Everything. Write it down. And then I want you to sit down and have a conversation with your child and say, hey, tell me about like going to bed at night. Tell what do we do together? Or what do you do on your own if you're an older child? Right. Okay, that sounds good. This sounds good. Have you thought about, you know, I realized that I do this thing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about including that to help you wind down? Like I stopped being on screens for 30 minutes beforehand right. and I read a book or I listen to music. I turn the lights down. Do you ever think about that? Well, no, I usually just text my friends until I'm ready to like fall asleep. Right. There's something you may want to think about. <laughs> Maybe. And it's amazing how much compensatory skills as adults, we've come to manage ourselves and regulate ourselves yeah. in order to get sleep and to do well in work and to accomplish things. But we don't realize all of those skills are learned through mistakes that we've made. Absolutely. And you can help your child, maybe not avoid those mistakes, but help have tools to solve if they need to make those mistakes. Right. And um, help them realize it faster. Yeah. And put it in their words. Right. Look at what they do and 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 look at how what accomplishing a task is. And it can be a task like getting there are kids that just don't want to brush their teeth in the morning. Like that's right. accomplished a task. <laughs> okay, what's the reward for, for brushing your teeth in the morning? Okay, well, let's talk about a reward. You get five minutes extra on gaming, or you can get money. Some kids are motivated by money. Or you know what? We're gonna have dinner tonight. And if you do this one thing that you're really struggling with, and by the way, you can do this also with getting them to use a planner. You get to pick what we're having for dinner tonight, or you get to pick dessert for tonight, or we're yeah. going to go out on Saturday night as a family and you get to pick where to go. Right. Don't just think of it in the ways of the traditional um, punishments and rewards. Right. You know, it's, it, you got to be creative. You got to realize that the world is uh, multifaceted in every channel. And right. so are kids. Oh yeah. Um, so think about what motivates them. You know, right. what, what, what will feel good to them? Right. You know, and- those kinds of things. 
the other thing I was going to ask you about, like, cause you mentioned the punishment system, which I feel like is a lot of times, some of the mistakes that parents make mm-hmm. when they're trying to get their kids to, you know, like mm-hmm. do what is best for them. So what other mistakes do you see that parents make when they're trying to get their kiddos with ADHD to like succeed and trying to help them essentially? So it is a fact that kids with ADHD do not respond well to punishment. They respond much better to reward. Mm -hmm. So setting up expectations, guardrails, boundaries that are in place that they know they're expected to follow and then calling out when they don't, but more so calling out when they do Mm. and rewarding that is really the best way to rear a child with ADHD. Um, you know, I, I was on a call yesterday with a parent and the parent said to me, I have to admit that they said, because she was a COVID kid, mm-hmm. she's addicted to her iPad and oh, to electronic communications and they really aren't good at regulating it because they feel like the bad guy and they don't really know where they should regulate it because it's also her social tool and it's her school tool and everything else. Right. And what I told them is you're not bad parents right. by regulating what you need to do is give her boundaries. She kids want boundaries. Right. They want to know within the realm of what they can do and what their what their boundaries are. Right. So if you give her boundaries and hold her to those boundaries, that will work. Yeah. It will work in so many areas of her life. It's incredible. Right. But by giving, by not giving her any boundaries and having limitless time on iPads and not being able to teach herself self-control, just like you teach a baby how to sleep when they're younger, you don't right. wake them up every time they cry. Right. Same thing here. You have to teach them how to self-control themselves, but they're not going to be able to do that at first. So with an ADHD child, put those expectations out there. I expect you to get up in the morning at 7.15 and be down for breakfast by 7.30 and accomplish this, this, and this before you go. Right. Okay. If you don't, then the next morning, we're going to set the alarm for 7.10. And we're going to see if you can get it. And let's figure out how much time it really is going to take you because I want you to accomplish this goal. I want you to get there. Right. And you can get there and encourage that growth and, and encourage them to, to find their way of getting. Right. That is so much better than, well, you know what? You're not going to talk to your friends tonight because you didn't get up in the morning on time to get down to breakfast on time. Yeah. You know, really find the things that motivate that child. Remember um, for ADHD that kids can focus so intently on things they're interested in, yeah. right? You're like you're trying to knock their, knock them over off their chair and it's like, get off the game. It's dinner time. Right. So if they're interested and they buy in, They'll lean into it. Right. Not maybe it'd be their favorite thing to do. But if they know that it's it's kicking up that dopamine, which is exactly what's happening when they're gaming on a computer or they're talking to their friends, mm-hmm. if they're getting some kind of dopamine reaction from accomplishing something because you tie it to a, a reward, that becomes something they want to do over and over. And again, you're back to now building habits and routines that become automaticity and new neuropathies in the brain. Yeah. So if you think along those routes and how punishment doesn't really get there, it doesn't build right. that automaticity, it right. actually derails it. And it also Kids with ADHD, you know, struggle a lot from um, low low self-esteem and low confidence. Mm. Um, You really want them to feel confident in making choices and confident that they can achieve things to avoid that. Um, So when they do hit those things that are harder and you say to them, you know, you can do this. You persevere before to accomplish things. You can do this again. Let's just find the right pathway for you to get there. They're actually going to listen to you. Be like, they're not going to be like, mom, whatever. I can't do this. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so again, ADHD, and I won't call them ADHD kids, kids with ADHD, it is not a curve. Right. It is just a re, a different wiring of the brain. Right. Um, and, and I can't emphasize that enough. Just because your kid is going from A to Z 
in a different way than most kids go at A to Z, they're still going from A to Z and they may actually do it in a much more interesting way, but it's their way. And don't make them conform to things that don't work for their way that their brain is wired. Yeah. Does that help? Oh, for sure that helps. Yeah. Good. Thank you. And I'm trying to think, trying to see if there's anything else I wanted to ask you. I feel like you've covered so many wonderful things. Cause I was going to ask you about relationships with like with the kid, kid parent relationships and like how to, you know, best keep that intact. And I feel like one of the things you said that I think is really helpful is knowing that you may not be the person to help your like high school student figure out how to, you know, work on their executive functioning skills, like getting someone to help them with that or if you are that person, like knowing how to approach that in a way that isn't with like reprimands and, you know, um, punishments and more in the reward system. And if you are, you know, if if you really are trying to work with a child, you don't have the money or the resources in order to pull someone else in really talking to them as your equal Mm. and more importantly, listening to them, just being quiet and listening and don't always try to solve their problems. Yeah. Um, I, I fail from this all the time. My daughter's like, I'm just talking to you. I don't need you to solve my problem. Yeah. Um, I, I just needed someone to talk out loud about this. Right. You know, listen to your kid driving in the car with them before they get that license is such beautiful time that you just mm-hmm. don't ever want to lose with them because you can talk about so many different things. Ask them to tell you a story. Ask them to talk about the things we talked about earlier. What did you do brave? What did you see today? What did you observe? What did you want to mm-hmm. accomplish? Like all these different specific things. But talk to them at your level, you know, then say to them, well, you know what I did today, or you know what I saw today, or what my bravest thing was today, or what my goal was today. And guess what? I didn't achieve it. And I really feel badly about it. And I just want to tell you that, like, I feel badly, like sometimes don't you feel badly, you know, relate to them. Yeah. None of us are perfect. But if you relate to a child and you, they really feel like you're, you're hearing them Mm -hmm. and therefore they will then listen back to you. That is going to be the best way to get your child to work with you on things. And sometimes you're just not going to find a way around. Um, And sometimes personalities, you know, just clash and getting someone else in there, whether it's any of the people I listed, um, just, just help. Yeah. Um, And there's so many resources in this area that can, that can really help you. There's great people. And if you need resources, let me know. I make it my business to know some of the best and brightest around that can help kids. And um, whether that's, you guys for literacy and um, support with the things you do around ADHD, um, getting people diagnosed too, like whether therapists, testers, or whether it's finding the right psychologists or whether it's finding the right schools. I'm, we're not educational consultants, but we meet with schools all the time so that when parents say to us, hey, where do you think my kid would fit? I can say, hey, I really think that they would fit well here, mm-hmm. but go talk to this person and go talk to this person and get right. the actual recommendations and the meetings. But we just know a lot of people and people in our field like you and your team know a lot of people. So yeah. they should use that and, and ask for reference. There are people out there to help. You're never alone. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important to remember. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think my last question for you is, so for those kiddos that are studying super hard, we talked about how what studying is before. Um mm-hmm. But they're studying super hard. Nothing is sticking. Is that normally an executive functioning issue? Or is that like, we think they're studying and they're actually not studying? What do you normally see that being? What do you normally see? So that could be, 
that could be a whole different, a whole lot of different things. And I think as a parent, you have to trust your gut on what's going on. Right. Um, and maybe do some silent observing. Mm-hmm. You know, is your child just horribly distracted? Right. Or are they really incapable? Like they're just overwhelmed and using distraction as a you know excuse. Right. Procrastination a lot of times is what this is. When you see chronic procrastination and failure to start, failure to initiate a task. Typically that has to do with something like anxious going on Mm. that's stopping them, whether it's, they don't know where to start or they're overwhelmed with, I don't, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know, like, how do I even sit down and understand what I'm being asked? Those kinds of things tend to lead to an executive function. You you can see that there's kind of some kind of executive functioning challenge. But sometimes kids have, you know, not that ADHD is a learning difference. It is, but they have a, a learning challenge. Right. So talk to teachers, talk to educators. If you really feel like your child is struggling, you know, to you guys for dyslexia, like if you're right. struggling with a child and struggling with reading or when they read out loud, they're really struggling or they're just not comprehending what they're learning. And there's definitely like you're seeing their friends can do other things. Don't wait. No, do not wait. Go and seek help for that, because that would be a, a, something that you can correct. Mm-hmm. early on that will allow your child to blossom and not struggle with for the rest of their life. That's not saying you can't heal it, but the compensatory skills and the new methodologies of, of, of approaching dyslexia now are so incredible and different. Right. And, you know, you can work with young, young kids. And by the time they're in elementary school, they've got those skills going third, yeah. fourth, fifth grade, and you don't need to be doing that anymore. And then if something comes up, that's an executive functioning or an ADHD or something else, you can just address that. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that when you see a child spending a lot of time or studying and not being efficient, you kind of have to lean in and listen to your gut as a parent. Is there something more going on? Is it a distraction? Could it be a diagnosis? Um, is my is, is my child fear of failure? That's another one that can come up where they don't want to start something because they're just so scared. They put in effort before and they've failed so many times, in which case, again, I very much suggest having conversations around the fact that failure is okay but bringing someone else in, whether it's a therapist, a developmental pediatrician, a coach, um, someone, some support tool from the outside can oftentimes help that a lot better than a direct conversation. And and remember that today after COVID, you know, these days there's more anxiety and more depression in kids that there has ever been. And some of it's silent. And so if you fear something more going on, don't wait, go and have your child talk to someone. You just don't wait. It's, It's, you know, healthy amount of anxiety is not called anxiety. It's called nerves. Right. <laughs> you know, there's like, you, you want to have some butterflies in your stomach before a test because that drives you to want to study so you don't feel that way. Right. But having where you're freezing and sweating or you're not doing anything or you're going and talking to friends because you just can't face it, that's where it crosses the line to anxiety. And there needs right. to be some coping skills there. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned procrastination. Um, I wanted to know if there's any other like reasons that you see kids procrastinate, especially with executive function or ADHD, um, other than the like anxiety or the fear of failure, you might have. Sure, I mean, procrastination is chronic. I have it in this house pretty badly. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of reasons for procrastination. There are things like, um, I have no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down my homework and I don't want to go tell mom or dad that I forgot. And I don't know, like it says to read a book, but I don't know what pages, I don't know what it says to do math problems. But I didn't write down what it was. Right. Um, I'll just push that off or I may have a quiz tomorrow and I have no idea what to study because I wasn't paying attention in class. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that they don't have the information or the ability to access the information from an organization problem, from a focus problem. It could also be that they've started down a path and they realize they're lost. Yeah. 
And so they just, I'm going to push this off. I'm going to push this off. Um, it could also, as we talked about this fear of, I put time into the subject so many times, I'm going to get a C or D anyway. So why bother wasting my time? Yeah. Um, but it usually has to do with a disorganization, a time management problem, an inability to actually know how to approach a study skill, whether it has been note-taking, reviewing notes, writing down things in a planner, um, you know, knowing how to read and comprehend, even for younger kids, like you have to read a passage and write, you know, five quick sentences Mm -hmm. about what you read. Um, You know, you see children struggling with that. It may be because they really don't know how to read a passage to comprehend it. Right. Um, And and keep in mind that kids can also procrastinate because there's developmental difficulties, like physically. So there's kids that have eye problems that you may not see where the muscles in their eyes are weak and they don't converge well to read. So a child really struggles with reading. It's not dyslexia or dysgraphia or anything like that. It's literally they they need to go to an ophthalmologist to to diagnose them with needing to do eye exercises. Um, There's so many things like that that you as a parent may not know or see Mm -hmm. that when you really see procrastination and you've tried all these different things and it's still not working again, see that pediatrician, you know, don't be afraid to ask. Think about how many kids pediatricians see with so many different things, basically between the age of zero and you can basically go to them until you're 25 if you want to, (laughs) Um, you know, and and how the things they have to think about say, I'm noticing that my child and they read, they're not, nothing's going in. Could there be a physical problem? Or I'm noticing when they're reading out loud, they don't have confidence and they're having to go back and they don't remember what they read. Right. Could there be something else? You know, definitely trust your gut, ask yeah. questions. Don't keep it to yourself. Start with the educators because they're with your child most of the day. Right. What are you seeing? Right. What are you observing? And if they're saying they haven't seen anything, so can you keep an eye out? Okay. You know, those kinds of things. Ask for the people who are with your child. Right. The most first. And then you know, from those answers, determine where you should probably, where you should, yeah, spend your time. For sure. Yeah. And so with the procrastination things, is it mainly like, are you ever really addressing, addressing procrastination or is it mainly that you're addressing like some, something else that's going on to fix the procrastination? For the most part, there's something causing procrastination. Right. And it's overcoming that. And a fear of starting the fear of once I start, I don't know where I'm going to go or I'm going to get overwhelmed or I'm not going to finish, all of those things play into procrastination. Right. I mean, think about us as adults. I, I always tell people, think about your own life. When you go to work and there's there's stuff you're asked to do that you do not want to do, right. either because it's too consign, time consuming, it's too draining, it's whatever. Think about those things for a minute. What do you do to avoid them? And why do you do it? Yeah. Those things aren't going to be at their core much dissimilar than your kids procrastinating. Right. You know, you may not think of everything, especially if you're sort of not well-versed in this world, but it'll give you a starting point to say to your child, you know, I realized at work, make up a story. Can I really struggle to start this thing that I don't like doing? This, this, and this, and this is why. And could you give me some ideas on maybe how I could start it? Mm. You know, or have you had that problem before? Be relatable. Right. Ask your kids to input on your stuff. They may say, I have that problem too. Maybe we could figure it out together. Yeah. You know, again, it's that relatability. Right. And do you have any like quick things to try that you would do? I've seen like some, someone has suggested like set a two minute timer. And like, if you like start the task and after two minutes, if you really can't do it, you can walk away from it. But if you like, you'll start getting into it and then you'll really just want to finish it. Like, is there anything else? like that that you... So really yeah. forcing that incremental time using the time timer. Okay. Um, I don't think two minutes is enough. 
Right. Um, you know, I think first of all, setting up someone with all the, the tools they need. Mm, right? Okay. Make sure that they know how to read for older kids what's in their portal or what to read in their planner. Like right. make sure they actually are start with the littlest thing. Yeah. What information do you have on which you have to do this? And do right. you need to go be a fact finder and gather more information before you start? Right. Because that's a big thing. Kids sit down and they go, oh, I don't know what yeah. I have to do tonight. Okay. Well, how are they going to do anything? They're going to procrastinate. Right? right. And remind them that they have people out there that were in the class or teachers out there or a portal they can check. And all right. of those tools are available to them. Then once you know, once you sit down, writing is the worst for most kids. They don't want to start any kind of big writing. So start out and sit down with them for those first few minutes and say, let's do this together. Don't mm-hmm. do it for them. No. Let's do it together. Let's set a timer and do a brainstorming session for 10 minutes. You don't even have to write. The kid doesn't like to write. A lot of kids with ADHD don't like pencil or paper. They right. really don't like to write, but they may like to draw. So you can oh. have them draw. Yeah. Um, a lot of kids are very creative and do like to draw. Um, draw what you're thinking in your head. Brainstorm yeah. ideas. Here, I'm going to write a big cloud and you just tell me what they are. I'm going to write them down. And then yeah. we're going to, after 10 minutes, we're going to go take a break and snack, come back. And we're going to look at it and say, okay, we have all of these ideas. How do we organize these ideas? Mm. Um, graphic organizers are wonderful tools yeah. to use for kids to use. And if you're working with your child, pull a graphic organizer that you use. Do you use a Venn diagram to figure out what's important? Do you draw right. a cloud in the sky and put things off on little other clouds, like what kind of visual organizer do you use for information? Right. Give your child that idea. Um, start really basic with things that they can draw or fill in mm-hmm. to help them get started and make sure it's spread out over time so that when it becomes hard and overwhelming, they can take a break. Now, right. for some kids, taking a break can also be a detriment because then they start, they're scared to go back into it. So they procrastinate step two. Right. Make sure it's very seamless baby steps. Yeah. Not big, huge leaps to right. go from one thing to the next and then they'll keep going. Right. And remember those brain breaks. It's really important. I mean, yeah. the other thing is take your kids out of their room studying. That is just never a good place. Yeah. Um, your, your body has been built to know that a bed is for sleeping. Right. And when a lot of kids have sleeping problems, it's because they're doing and parents too. Are you watching TV? A lot of TV in your room. Are you working in bed? Are you spending too much time in the bedroom? That's not around sleep bed being right. with your spouse. Right. Well, your kids do the same thing. Get them out of the bedroom. Get them in a dining room table when you're working in the kitchen so they can ask you a question or that you can see when they're on their phone and you can reach over and say, hey, what's got you stumped? Why, why are you talking to Joey or whatever? Well, I didn't turn do not disturb on and it distracted me. Okay, well, let's turn do not disturb on. Or if they don't make that suggestion, you make that suggestion. You know, right. have it where you can interact with them and you just have an open ear. You're not standing over them. Right. But you're kind of seeing what they're doing, observe and make a little suggestion here and there or say, hey, I noticed that you just spent like 15 minutes totally focused on that. What were you doing? Did it really interest you? Like look for the positive stuff, look for the things for them to share with you. Look for that, that integrate ability to what you're doing. When we have dinner tonight, Hey, Sarah, I saw that, you know, you were really working hard on this. Maybe your brother would, would be interested in that topic. What were you talking about? What did you do? You know, I, I happen to have kids that are close in age. And so it makes it really easy to to open up conversations at dinner and everybody contribute or, Hey, um, Sam, I understand you have to write a paper on pick a topic that everybody would be interested in. You know, like you have to write a paper on how to how to build a better workout. You guys all work out, or you see mom and dad work out. What do you guys think you should write about? You right. Talk about it. Make it an open conversation where it's not just stuck inside the brain. Everything stuck inside the brain is so much worse than when you get it out. Right. Um, and and you don't have to do things 100 on your own. You know, that's why there's people. That's why you work with people. That's because exactly. you want to collaborate. That we're naturally social beings. 
you can be that social person for your child. Yeah. Um, help them get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are the ways to get to help them get unstuck. Yeah. Get them talking, genius. get them communicating, talk to their siblings, you know, go online, do a research, you know, okay, I have to talk about this. Go, go see what other people have done. Right. Don't copy it. No, but, but just like, go see other approaches. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that was my last my last question for you. This has been insanely, insanely fruitful. I mean, the timer, the phys- the visual the, timer. The visual timer. I love that idea. I've seen other people use it before. I don't own one myself, but I love that you can set it to be any time and then it just, you know, like counts down for you. It's it looks very helpful. <laughs> it is. It is very helpful. And um they do make digital versions of it. I I have I have one that's digital that is actually like a digital clock that goes down. Oh, yeah. I don't find it as effective, but for some kids who live in that world, they right. may find it effective, but don't let have it on their phones. That's great because then they can time things like how long it gets from point A to point B or how long right. it takes them. But for school stuff, don't have them using their phone. Have their phone nowhere near them. Right. You know, use use a desktop or a laptop, something that doesn't have those communication tools on it and make sure that they're not multitasking. You know, you know, everyone has a Mac. You can do a million things at once and hide oh, yeah. things. You know, if you need to find software that locks certain things out for your kids, if you really need to, or sit near them where you can see what they're doing. Maybe you have work to do tonight. Why don't you put them at one side, one end, two chairs down at the dining room table, and you sit at the other end, you can glance over every once in a while. What are they really doing? Um, Don't do things for your kids, but be their scaffolding. Be that parent that walks around and helps them not get hurt when they fall down or teaches them how to fall down and get back up, you know? Just go back to thinking about your child walking and what you would do and not do. And and, and don't be a helicopter parent, but be that scaffolding for them. Yeah. They'll learn. Great. Yeah. I think it's a great, great visual, the scaffolding and the, you know, like you said, helping them up when they fall. I think it's such a an easy way for parents to visualize, like exactly. helping them through other things. So thank right. you for that. And you're not doing it for them. You can't walk for them. You can't do no. their schoolwork for them either. You can't teach them the process of school and do it for them. That's not teaching them. Going into a portal and writing things down for them to do and being on them is, is skipping the whole point of school. Great grades don't just get you into college. Great grades reflect that you know how to do a process. And if you go to college and you can't do that process, you're going to have the same problem. Right. We work with college kids that parents come home and say, okay, this kid's failing out. I need you to work with them before I'm paying for them to go back because they have no idea how to manage themselves, their calendar, their time, all of these things that organize themselves, all yeah. of these tools that are so important. It's a daily process. You use this process so many times during your during your day. You, you reach for that executive in your frontal lobe to right. manage all the things you have to do. Um, and some kids just really need to learn it and build yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been fabulous. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us before we wrap up? No, just that um, I, you know, I'm happy to be a resource for parents. I think it's really important to have someone they can call and get an honest um, answer from, and that they can um, ask a question and not feel like they're being sold to. I tell every parent that I talk to, you know, feel free go out, talk to other people, um, yeah. come back to me. I'll give you an honest opinion on based on what you want. You know, there's a cost associated with things that matters. There's a personality thing that uh, you know matters. Right. There's how much involvement, where things are, all so many different things that come into play when you find a support tool right. that it, it's not always one stop, you know, one stop shopping. You may have to talk to a couple of people. What are the questions that you need to ask? What are the things you need to know? When you get an ADHD diagnosis and you look at the back and there's recommendations for things, don't get overwhelmed. Take right. it one step at a time. Pick up the phone and call one of those people yeah. and see what they tell you. And they, most of the time, those of us in this industry and in this 
area want to help help you and they want to help your campus. So we're going to give you the next steps to take, or we're going to tell you where you can find someone who will tell you the next step right. that you can take. You know, there's a, it really does take a village and the village oh, is yeah. pretty well built around here. Oh yeah. Um, and if anyone needs executive function coaching, we're here, you know, we do it a little differently than everybody else. We provide holistic um, executive functioning coaching. We work in home or we work virtually. So we're coaching them on the field in which they're doing their homework and their right. work. Um, and we do really careful matching so that you have the right coach working with the students so they can relate to each other and, and awesome. feel like you've got that cheerleader, but see someone who can also put the guardrails in place and hold them to it. Right. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, thank you again so much for being here, Wendy. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you. And Same we love you guys. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, we love you guys. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.